We are back here on the world famous Chiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. It's also build, grow, and enjoy. We apologize to our listeners for the uh, quality of the call today. We're doing it over the telephone instead of our regular Skype. Um, Dr. Warren Farrell is with us today. He's the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling, and What We Can Do About It. And Dr. Farrell joins us on the telephone. How are you, sir? I am very well. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about this book. The book is, um, I started it about 11, I've been writing about men's and women's issues for all my life, and um, the, or all my career life, and um, I started to hear as, a, as some of the books were being translated into other countries that from people around the world that uh, there's, the boys were falling significantly behind the girls. Most of this was from teachers in classrooms, and so I started looking into that, and I saw that in all 63 of the largest developed nations, um, boys were uh, falling considerably behind girls. They used to do better than girls in math and science, and now it's about equal or less than equal in math and science, and worse than almost all the other subjects, but especially in reading and writing, which are the two biggest predictors of success. Um, and so I started to inquire more about why these 63 countries, and they were all countries in developed nations, and I started to see that the developed nations were, for the most part, um, allowing permission for two things. One is for divorce, and the other one is for um, for children to be born to mothers who were not married. And in that group of children born to mothers that were not married, a very high percentage of them had minimal or no father involvement. And in the group of divorced children, a very high percentage of them had minimal and no father involvement. And I started to see that the difference between the boys that had significant father involvement, especially in intact families, they were doing extremely well. Um, the boys that had um, a, a significant amount of father involvement um, in divorce situations or um, n children that were born to moms that weren't married, um, if they had significant father involvement, they were doing fairly well, um, but not nearly as well as the, the, the kids in, um, in an intact family. And uh, so I started to, and yet the boys that um, that were growing up in an intact family with significant father involvement were doing very well, probably better than our generation of boys. We usually the fathers were more involved, um, more tender, but yet they also did a lot of roughhousing and um, you know, took kids out to on a, you know in adventure situations, helped them take risks, um, know um, and do a great many things that seem to be developing their abilities in more than 70 different areas. And so as I started to gather, you know, more and more research on this, I started to see that um, there was just um, an enormous amount that, um, of trouble that many boys were having, that boys who were having this lack of father involvement, that, was, that accounted for almost all the boys that were doing the mass shootings. Um, and it also accounted for almost all of the ISIS recruits, including the smaller percentage of ISIS recruits who are girls. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Uh, Dr. Warren Farrell, he is the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. He joins us today here on the telephone. It's a uh, crisis of education worldwide. Boys are 50% likely than girls to meet basic proficiency in reading, math, and science. Explain that to us. Yes, the um, bo boys, have, in, especially without this... Um, Dad involvement have been falling way behind in almost all these areas. So, for example, the boys who are growing up in 
um, wealthy communities with schools with very good reputations are doing less well in math and science than boys who are growing up with um, uh, with a father in a poor community with a school with poor reputation. That's an example of uh, the significant difference. Um, but the you know the next question is well what can school you know or at least the next question that I ask is you know what can schools do about this? And um, I found that the schools that one of the things that really helps boys is physical movement, physical activity. And yet, um, boys, uh, the schools are cutting back significantly on the amount of recess. And within the framework of recess, they're becoming more and more restrictive. Boys in many schools cannot play tag. Uh, they cannot run to um, quickly around the playground. They can't tease each other without it being called bullying. And there's a whole series of restrictions that um, that are being put on boys' uh, natural t- sort of tendencies uh, that make you know that either. You know, first of all, there's minimal, much more, um, sh- much shorter recess in most schools, and um, and then much more, many more restrictions, and that does not help boys. We now, the Center for Disease Control did studies on the benefits or the lack of benefits of recess, and found that children who participated in recess actively uh, did better um, for minute per minute in recess than they did for the equivalent number of minutes studying. Uh, so that recess actually, the physical activity, is one of the greatest antidotes to um, you know, brain just um, becoming apathetic and um, very minimally useful. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network, uh, Dr. Warren Farrell. He is the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling, What We Can Do About It. Dr. Farrell is currently the chair of the commission to create a White House Council on Boys and Men. He joins us today here on BGE. And uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, we mentioned a little bit about the book. Uh, what elements did you draw upon to develop this book? Well, I... I First of all, looked at um, countries all around the world. I uh, looked um, more, more focused on the United States. Uh, looked at both the uh, school systems, what school systems could do, would do, and then what single moms could do. And I also investigated uh, very thoroughly. Um, I started seeing that there was an enormous difference between dad-style parenting and mom-style parenting. And that, uh, so for example, uh, dads are far more likely to roughhouse. And moms, when dads roughhouse, are more likely to look over at the father roughhousing with the kids and thinking, oh my God, I just have one more child to monitor here. And the mom sort of is like thinking, I should really stop this, um, but uh, because sooner or later somebody's going to get hurt. And so typically speaking, the mo- but typically speaking, the mom will just hold herself in and refrain because she, uh, from stopping it because she sees that the kids are having a really great time and she doesn't want to interfere with that. She doesn't want to interfere with the dad um, connecting with the children in this way. Uh, but sooner or later, um, the children do have some type of accident and she then chastises herself for not having intervened uh, more quickly. Um, and the uh, and so it goes on, and th- and then she's astonished when dad you know p- doesn't treat it like it's a serious thing, and then uh, and goes back and continues roughhousing again, and so this is you know that's mom style thinking, um, and dad but dads do the roughhousing, but they don't understand and articulate to the mom that the that roughhousing leads to children being more empathetic. Um, I mean, this is counterintuitive, but I'll explain why in a moment. It, uh, they, she, it, 
he does also doesn't understand that this helps the children develop what psychologists call emotional intelligence under fire. That is how to make decisions that benefit the whole group and not just themselves and not to bully um, and and to know the difference between being assertive and aggressive. And so, um, so for example. Um, Typically speaking, um, uh, 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 children may, let's say their dad is roughhousing with three kids, and one of them is, the oldest one is named John, let's say, and the second one is Jim, and the, and the second one is Jane, um, just for fun. And, um, and Jim, John, Jim, and Jane are um, on the couch, and they jump, and the, and the, and the wrestling match is about, it's, it's uh, how to get dad you know, pinned down before dad gets the three of you pinned down. And so uh, the kids jump off the couch onto the kids, uh, onto the dad's back, but in the excitement of it all, um, the, 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 one of the children like um, bullies the other one, pushes the other one out of the way, is too rough about pushing the other one out of the way, um, and dad stops the roughhousing and says, um, excuse me, John, you're not allowed to pick on your sister like that. Um, you've got to, um, you know, if you do that again, we're going to stop the roughhousing. And so the kids go back and either don't do that again or very often do do that again uh, because they're excited and they, and they go back to natural behavior when they're so, uh, so excited and revved up. And, the, um, and, and Dad then goes, um, okay, no more roughhousing till tomorrow night. Um, I told you this. You know, you know the reason. And, um, and the kids go, oh, man, that's a bummer, but what's happened is that the roughhousing has created a bond between the children and the dad. The children know they shouldn't be doing this. They've been warned. They don't like the consequence, but they accept the consequence without rebelling because they know dad is like a roller coaster. He's a source of great pleasure, but also a source of uh, safety, um, and that this is, this is part of the process. What dad doesn't explain is that what he's doing is helping each of the children feel um, aware and sensitive to the to what the difference is between being exci- in, engaged in an exciting way and bullying or pushing around or abusing somebody else. Now, mom or dad could both explain this at a lecture, but dad is giving them the experience, and by giving them a small consequence, no more roughhousing, as a result of that ex- uh, experience, dad, um, d- dad is giving them not an lecture but an experience, an experience of when you're being assertive, and that's fine, but when assertive goes over that borderline to being aggressive. He's also teaching each of the children how to think about other people's feelings, um, other people's needs to get onto the back to to participate equally in the um, in the experience of uh, getting d- dad pinned down and so on, and teaching them how to cooperate and work together. And so, but very few dads read whether it's the boy crisis or any other book on parenting to help them articulate what is what is happening that's so important and good for child development and he doesn't say it therefore to mom and moms can't hear what dads don't say and that's just one of about 10 different examples of dad style parenting and mom style parenting that often lead to tension in the family that sometimes can in worst case scenarios lead to divorce uh, that can then sometimes lead children to not having a lot of father involvement We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Dr. Warren Farrell, he's the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling, What We Can Do About It. Dr. Farrell joins us on the telephone today here on BGE. What kind of reactions have been getting to the book so far? Uh, Reviews, positive, negative, give us details. 
Well, the best news is that it's been nominated for the National Book Award, so I'm very pleased about that, obviously. Um, it's, it's like the Pulitzer Prize, you know, in, 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 book, in the book area. Um, and so that's, that's been wonderful. The, uh, the other interesting news is that um, conservative outlets all over the country have been have been saying to me, you know, I've been preaching the importance of the father and the importance of the family uh, for years. Christian outlets have been saying the same thing, and they've been extremely receptive uh, to the Boy Crisis book. Um, but liberal outlets have been much more um, reticent, to say the least. Uh, they've oftentimes they've, they've often shown an initial interest in it, like CBS News Sunday morning was ready to do a whole feature on the Boy Crisis, and The Atlantic was ready to do something, and Newsweek was ready to do something, and and all of them got some something happened uh, that led to them dropping it like a you know just dropping it automatically. And what I when I, when I pry beneath the surface, uh, what I've found is that the um, many of the liberal media are afraid that um, that they want women to be able to raise children on their own if they wish, and they there's a strong sentiment toward if there's a divorce, the woman should have the right to uh, to make uh, to have the children because she knows what's best for the children. And of course that last sentiment about the woman knows what's best for the children is the same equivalent as as um, conservatives in the 50s saying, well, you know, men know what's best for medicine, women shouldn't enter medicine. And so, but ironically, the group that is supposed to be in favor of of equality is now saying that women should know know what's best for the children, and that's you know that's the stereotypic gender role if there ever was one. And so, what many of the liberals are concerned with um, is that there is uh, that there's freedom for women to do whatever they want to do. And my response is, it's wonderful for women to have freedom. I was on the board of the National Organization for Women in New York City for three years. I certainly support women having freedom, but when women make the free choice to have children, they make the free choice to put the children's needs in front of theirs. And if the research all over the world shows that children after divorce or children grow up best in an intact family where there is marriage because marriage tends to stabilize the intact family um, and, the, and keep the father more involved. Um, then, and if father involvement is so important, then we need to pay attention to that research because when we make the free decision to have children, we make the free decision to, to put the child's lives in first priority. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. He is a fantastic, fantastic guest. Warren Farrell with us today. And uh, he joins us talking about his latest book. It is The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. He joins us today here on BGE. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the mental health aspect of this. Um, ADHD is on the rise. Uh, boys become young. Their suicide rate goes from equal to girls to six times that of young women. Uh, give us details on this. Yes, it, it surprises a lot of people to know that when boys and girls are nine years of age, uh, their suicide rate is equal. But when they're 10 to 14, boys' suicide rate compared to girls doubles. Between 15 and 19, it, is, it quadruples. And between 20 and 25, boys' suicide rate is almost six times what girls is. And, um, and so you could imagine if this statistic was reversed and girls' suicide rate went up uh, that much more quickly than, than boys, that we would all be aware of that. Um, 
girls attempt suicide more frequently, but it's not that they can't succeed. Girls suicide as, as a very different function. Its its function is to it, it, girls who attempt suicide. They are they believe that they have people who will listen to them. Um, if they call, if they get them to put their their needs, the girls' needs, um, take it, take it from the back burner and put it on the front burner. And so, therefore, the attempt of suicide is a belief that you can get help if people pay attention to you. That you have the resources um, to call um, to to help you out. Boys committing suicide um, is the is feeling that nobody loves them, nobody needs them. There's no hope of that changing, and if they uh, if they don't feel they have the ability to speak about their feelings or um, to other other peers they, without losing the respect of people. Um, they, so so in the fear of being able to express their fears and their weakness, they are actually ha- having a facade of strength. Um, that is really um, an expression of weakness, and so girls. Uh, so we. So this is a larger picture here. What I what I found is that there is an enormous gap between what I call heroic intelligence and health intelligence. Heroic intelligence is is the training and the upbringing um, that trains you for a short life. Um, health intelligence is what trains you for a long life, and it's also what trains you to be emotionally intelligent. And the uh, with the health intelligence, I'm sorry, with the heroic intelligence, we had that was what every generation of boys learned, uh, which was to be trained to be every almost every generation had a war, and um, and so parents trained their sons to be disposable, disposable in war, and often disposable in the workplace as coal miners, as loggers, as truckers, as firefighters, um, and so on. And so boys were told that you will be a hero if you are disposable. Now that's something we have less need of than we have in the past, certainly less need of in terms of warriors, but we haven't rethought and understood that, um, that our traditional training for boys prepared them wonderfully to be heroes, but the process of doing so meant that they had to disconnect from their feelings, disconnect from valuing themselves, disconnect from who they were, and they often put their health in jeopardy. So we encouraged the boys to, to do things that prepared them to disconnect from their feelings, like play football, even if, it, if they got a concussion or a spinal cord injury. And we didn't want to look at the data that said that, the, you know, that this football is, is highly likely to be connected um, to spinal cord injuries and concussions and so on. And so we have to... Uh, we have to now ask a very different set of questions, which is, you know, is the way we trained our boys to be successful in the past, what was good about that, and what is different from the, between that and what will train our boys to be successful in the future, to have a long life of health intelligence, not just heroic intelligence. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. The BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA, and uh, a great, great guest today, Dr. Warren Farrell. He's the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling, and What We Can Do About It. And Dr. Farrell joins us on the telephone. Now, this is also a crisis of purpose. Boys' old sense of purpose, being a warrior, a leader, a sole breadwinner, are fading. Many bright boys are experiencing a quote-unquote purpose void, feeling alienated, withdrawn, addicted to immediate gratification. Break this down for us, Doctor. 
Yes, really important um, question. So here's a typical male-female dad-mom difference in parenting. Um, The father and the mother will both set boundaries the same way. They'll both say, "Um, sweetie, you can have your ice cream as soon as you finish your peas. And the child, of course, all of us have had children know that the child will test the boundaries in the same way and try to have as few peas as possible before they have the ice cream. (laughs) And the difference is what happens after that. Uh, Mom is more likely to think to herself, well, you know, we have a... We've had a tough day here. You know, Jimmy's had a uh, tough time in school. Jane is, you know, a little bit depressed about something. Um, I'll tell you what, sweetie. um, If you have a few more peas, then you can have the ice cream. Uh, Because the mother is saying to herself, um, you know, I'm not going to get into a big fight over a few peas. That's ridiculous. This is precious moment. These are a few precious moments I have with my child. Uh, and Dad is much more likely to say, "Excuse me, Jimmy, Jane. um, You can have have the. um, You can." choose to not finish the peas, but if you don't finish the peas, no ice cream. Oh, you're so mean, Daddy. Mommy is much, you know, she does, She lets us do this. And Dad goes, um, you can cry and complain and whine, and then there'll be no, then there'll be no ice cream tomorrow night either. And, um, and, the, and so what the boy does with the dad, or the girl does with the dad, is he learns to focus on finishing his peas, even though he doesn't want to. That is, he learns to do what he needs to do in order to get what he wants to get, the ice cream. With mom, the boy or girl learns to manipulate a better deal. I noticed that last night when I said I was really um, uh, sad and upset about not being able to do my math and or I was bullied at school or mom said that, um, you know, something, it was a tough day, and I appealed to being bullied or I appealed to not being able to complete something or I appealed to, to not feeling good about myself or being sick to my stomach or not being able to finish my homework, that was what got me to be able to have the ice cream without finishing the peas. Therefore, I'm beginning, he's learning or she's learning the lesson of how to manipulate a better deal. So the translation for that is multi, multiple levels. Um, so, for example, when, ma, uh, when the boy tries to manipulate a better deal with his mom, he starts, lear- he starts learning not to pay attention to how to get done what he needs to get done, to how to finish the bees in order to get his ice cream. And so he's, he's not learning postponed gratification. And so when we, have ch- when we look at children raised predominantly by moms versus children raised predominantly by dads, children raised predominantly by dads, 15% of them have ADHD. Children raised predominantly by moms, 30% of them have ADHD. And if you think about what I was just, the example I just gave, it's like the child who is with the mom is not learning to focus on doing what he has to do to get what he wants to do. So when he goes to school and he tries to finish homework, he or she who is, um, is much more likely to be distracted by a text that's coming in or an offer to play a new video game or to get together with the other kids. And so they don't get their homework done, so they don't feel proud of themselves. They don't get um, activities that they want to do, like a, a school play, um, being a musician, um, being somebody who is uh, good at sports. Uh, they don't get. They don't do the discipline that's necessary to get that pro- uh, process finished. So they begin to turn inward. They begin to withdraw. They begin to play video games where they don't have to face um, uh, rejection from other people. They begin to feel badly about and angry at school and their teachers. They see that mom and dad doesn't don't have as much pride in them. The shame often leads to withdrawal, becoming addicted to video games, or uh, and when it comes to boy girl years, 
getting addicted to porn. The porn and the addiction to video games um, cheapens the do dopamine that gets um, channeled to the brain, and the brain begins to, to lose gray matter, and the boys do worse and worse, and before you know it, they don't know how to relate to people in a, in a, in a way that's productive for them. That can, in the worst-case scenarios, lead to depression, lead to suicide, and, or such anger at the schools that, that they want to call attention to themselves for one short period of time, and they take an AR-15 or whatever and shoot the school up. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live, Dr. Warren Farrell. Check out his website, warrenfarrell.com. That's W-A-R-R-E-N-F-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. Or boycrisis.org. Check it out today, boycrisis.org. Pick up the book on Amazon, Boy Crisis. It is uh, a fantastic, fantastic book. And uh, Dr. Warren Farrell with us today. Also find him on Facebook, Dr. Warren Farrell. Uh, before we let you go, my friend, um, what's next for you as an author? I'm thinking, I've been getting a lot of um, people who have bought the boy crisis have often started researching other books that I've written. And the one that seems to have the most demand is a book I wrote some years ago called The Myth of Male Power. Um, but I wrote The Myth of Male Power in 1993, and so I'm going to be responding to demands to update it and, um, and get, get it out there in another form. And then I'm going to be doing a book on communication, probably called Rollmate to Soulmate, or do a book on um, called Sex, Lies, and Video Games um, for um, part two of the Boy Crisis um, books. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for joining us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. It's just been a wonderful um, experience uh, talking with you. You ask good questions, and you're a really patient listener. Thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful holiday. Thank you. Thank you, my okay. friend. There goes Dr. Warren Farrell, and there we go. We are going to take a timeout, and we've got more coming back here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. 